I'm Jessica. And I'm David, and this is Passports and Birth Control, a couple's take on international travel. So we left off when we were in Brussels, and just like going from Paris to Brussels, we took a train from Brussels to Amsterdam. Now this is probably the easiest train I have ever taken. The quickest, the cleanest, the fastest. It was almost like taking a subway, going from Brussels to Amsterdam real short train ride, real cheap train ride. And these, they're, the lowland countries of Brussels and the Netherlands are right next to each other. So it's really easy to get to. If you're getting to Amsterdam from pretty much anywhere else, it's still really easy. There's lots of international flights that go to Amsterdam, lots of roads and trains and different avenues. Amsterdam is a port city. For centuries, it's been a port city. And so it is a place of transit. It is a hub for trade. It's a hub for people. And so it is a great place to go. It's a center of gravity. You're often routed through there going to other places as well. So it is a must see for anyone going to Western Europe. The train station is especially nice because you walk out and it, it is like walking into a postcard. Amsterdam is so beautiful. Yeah, the train station is right on the edge of the harbor area. And so you just get out on the train and you're practically on water. The Netherlands prides itself on reclaiming a lot of their land from the sea. They they build these dams and dikes and they drain the soil and they, they actually have more land than they had a few hundred years ago, not because they took it from any other country, but they took it from the sea. So in a lot of ways, Amsterdam is kind of like Venice. It's just kind of sitting on the water. It's less like Venice in the sense that it's, it's not quite as tight streeted and you can actually drive on it and ride a bike around it. It's not quite as as tight as, as Venice, but it feels very Venetian in that regard. But it's its own thing. Definitely it its own really thing. It really is. The water really is the lifeblood of Amsterdam. The canals and those in the harbor, these are very much a integral part of Amsterdam's personality and culture and vibe. Right. So whether you get off the airport and then you take the train into town or take the bus into town or a taxi, or if you, hopefully, you get off at the, at the downtown train station right in front of the harbor and you get to look out and there's the water and there's the city and it's just so wonderful and lovely and hopefully it's nice, bright and sunny when you show up there like it was when we did. Absolutely. Now, like David said, we took a train. We took an early morning train. We left Brussels very early in the morning, and it was still pretty early in the morning when we arrived. Yeah, too early to check into a hostel. Usually they want you to not come around until at least afternoon. <laughs> right. So the first thing we did on leaving this postcard of a station, we went in search of breakfast. Now, we already mentioned how utterly exhausted of croissants and pastries I was. I was not. I love croissants. I love pastries. Never get tired of them. To this day, we disagree on this. <laughs> but, so we find this cafe, and there on the menu, scrambled eggs. I'm setting myself up for disappointment again, but I order them. They arrive in a small silver terrine, and they are fluffy, and they are buttery, and they are... They are so good, I almost cry over them. She's sitting there weeping over scrambled eggs. I'm like, what's wrong? Is there something wrong with your eggs? She said, no, there's nothing wrong with them. They're perfect. And so, <laughs> I've never seen someone cry over scrambled eggs before, but they were... You don't know how tired I was of croissants. <laughs> She's so happy she got some scrambled eggs at this little diner right by the train station. Well, but... it was so beautiful. 
because you had the canal and you had the harbor and you had all the bicycles and this wonderful picturesque town and this delightful breakfast. I mean, the coffee was good. The eggs were good. I forget what kind of pastry you got, but it looked yummy. <laughs> it's it's not something I would specifically say you have to go to Amsterdam to get here, but there's pretty easy to find good food in Amsterdam. Oh, yeah, it's the cafe seems amazing. Yeah, and this is just one of those many cafes. And so after getting breakfast, we were able to check in early to our hostel, which now, was a fun experience. Our hostel in Amsterdam was brilliant. It might be my favorite of the entire trip because... Like I said, the water is the lifeblood of Amsterdam, and so there are boats on the canals. And our hostel is actually an anchored boat sitting in the canal. It would go out during off-seasons, but during the tour season, it does stay in anchor there at its dock. And so you walk out of this dock, you walk onto this picturesque little houseboat, and you had this tiny little cabin below decks, but such an amazing little hostel and very affordable and comfortable, but just the ambiance of staying on the canal in Amsterdam. They had these deck chairs you could hang out on the deck, and the, the person there was an old lady who welcomed us on into the into the area. You go below deck into your, into your room, and it really doesn't look any different from a tiny hostel room anyways. You'd have to really stop and think about and maybe test the microscopic little oscillations to know you were on water. You do hear the lapping of the water on the canal, which I found incredibly soothing. I think it annoyed you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a great experience, and uh, and I highly recommend it because that canal ship, that boat, was just on the outskirts of the city. So Amsterdam itself has these concentric rings of canals and streets, and the further into the heart of the old city you go, the more expensive things get. There's sort of a central square where their government offices are, and everything gets more expensive beyond that. So the further out you go, the cheaper things are, but then you have to travel into the city because that's where you want to be. You want to be in that heart of that city. I found the city itself gets very loud at, at, at night. I loved our hostel because we were out on the edge in the in the harbor area, uh, which was a little bit further away from the inner city area, the inner old town area, and that's where a lot of the expensive hostels were. So for maybe about a half a mile walk distance, it saved a lot of money doing that. Now the thing is, David and I are a little on the short side, but we still had to watch our heads in this boat, like... So we wouldn't hit our heads on the door frames because it's a boat. It's small. Yeah, so if you're seven feet tall, maybe don't stay on a, on a harbor boat. But <laughs> And if you do, watch your forehead. So speaking of the inner city, once we got our bags dropped off at our harbor boat hostel, we walked into Amsterdam City. And the first thing you'll notice when you're in Amsterdam is the bikers will not get out of your way if you're a pedestrian. And by biker, bikers, we mean bicyclists. Right. Amsterdam is essentially owned by bicyclists. They will tell you this is a bicycling city. This is their city. They're very proud of it. And they're very assertive of it. It is a bicycle town and there are bikes you can rent there are bike tours you can take we didn't do that we just we, we we like walking the bicycle was more of a hassle to you know chain up and deal with but the people who live in the city they typically get around by bicycle they don't like to drive they look down on, dr on drivers and they well 
they run into pedestrians and it's up to you as a pedestrian to get out of the way of the bicyclist, not the way the other way around, which was just something you definitely need to be aware of when you're walking around Amsterdam. The bicyclists are kings and queens of the streets. You are just there. So we're walking around Amsterdam, having a grand old time, just looking at the ambience of it. And we happen upon this walking tour, which is right in the downtown square. An American lady was actually there living in Amsterdam, and she was a part of a tour group that was put on by the city. And she would meet at regular times in the square, and you could take walking tours, and she would lead you around and say, oh, this was where uh, the square, you know, the history of the square, the, the, the courthouse and everything. And it started on that square itself, which was a fascinating tale of, apparently there were uh, some German snipers there during World War II. So Amsterdam was occupied during World War II by the Germans for a significant period of time. And when the Germans were pushed back, when the Allies invaded and, and took back the city, there were a couple of German snipers who were hanging out in the courthouse angrily. And when all the citizens came out and said, yay, we're, we're liberated, they sh those, these snipers shot a bunch of civilians. And so there's these markers and memorials in the square itself to memorialize those civilians who were slaughtered right at the end of the occupation. Just a real tragic thing. But you go from that to all the joy of the crooked buildings of Amsterdam. And 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 the crooked buildings are a unique thing. That That's where I get that sort of Venetian feel. The city is settling, it's moving, and and so some of these buildings look like they've rocked a little bit with all the, uh, the movement in, uh, of the soil. Again, Amsterdam is built on reclaimed land. So it's very wet, very marshy, and so the soil settles and the buildings kind of go a little cattywampus. It definitely gives the buildings a lot of character, a really interesting vibe. And one of the other things, if you look at them, they are kind of leaning outward. And they said that this is intentional because if they're leaning outward, then you can get goods via cables. So these, these cables that hang out from windows that you can lean over the top window that hangs over the front door, which makes it more easy to move stuff up and down which means you don't have to go out the front door to to move in stuff because the doors are often too narrow to move in and out uh, goods. So a unique way of moving things around. We also got to walk around the city and see some of its business past. There's the headquarters for the East India Trading Company. This is a company that dominated the spice trade and colonial uh, East Indies. And it was at one point the most profitable, the most valuable company in the entire world really set off this whole globalized uh, commerce thing that we're living in now. And it's not a very impressive building, if I'm being honest. It's just a courtyard with an old building. And they talked about the history of the, the tulip uh, market being very expensive tulips that someone paid $100,000 for a single tulip at one point. It reminded me of like the Bitcoin craze going on right now. Oh, look, this this imaginary thing we're going to put a lot of money in and then the whole market crashed at one point and then the East India Company didn't really work. <laughs> so there's lots of interesting architecture. One fascinating thing, as, as I've pointed out, the Amsterdam downtown area it is kind of known to be a party area and one of the bigger party area known places in Amsterdam is the red light district. Now don't be intimidated by this statement. At least during the day it's perfectly fine and perfectly safe and relatively PG. I mean, oh, red light district, that's sort of sketchy. It is, but you gotta have to, it's, you it's know. It's sketchy in a it, wholesome way. Yeah, it's that not, makes sense. It's not Disney World, but it's also not 
you know, Chicago or Moulin <laughs> Rouge. Yeah, it's 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 not. I I've seen way worse. Trust me. But the thing is that they they have legalized prostitution, legalized cannabis. And, or, okay, granted, not legalized cannabis. Yes, Jessica's looking at me to correct it. So the thing about marijuana in Amsterdam, I've probably been wanting to get to this. Marijuana is illegal <laughs> in Amsterdam. It is only allowed at coffee shops. So you can't walk around with it. Don't do that. Go to the coffee shop. Now, of course, enforcement is... Mm, lax but they're actually stricter about the drinking alcohol in the streets than they are about anything else and but, that's something our tour guide on the walking tour told us yeah yeah don't go up to a cop drinking a beer they'll get you'll get more in trouble if you walk around with a joint but uh there are coffee shops where you can enjoy things that are not coffee and these aren't just in the red light district but it's kind of what it's known for and in fact amsterdam does kind of have a particular smell yes you can definitely smell it everywhere you go in the inner city area you can get away from that if you don't want to do that if you want to experience that but here's my recommendation of amsterdam that i would say don't do there are what are called stag parties that are there constantly mostly british and other people it's that very much the vegas of europe yeah so we go they go there oh we're gonna get go get um some pot we're gonna do stuff on red light districts yay party I mean, you can do that if you want to. That's not our scene. But I enjoyed the history of the city. I enjoyed the, the ambience and culture of the city. The, the the rougher side of it is certainly interesting. But I think in a lot of ways it gets ruined by rowdy tourists who treat it like Vegas. But we're not party people. Right. So that's there. If you want to go there for that, okay, fine. But don't let that scare you away. Don't let that make think, well, that's just where people go for bachelorette parties or whatever. I want to go to a fun city. It's that too. It's it absolutely it. is. Now, one of the big historical cultural hubs or cultural icons of Dutch artwork, Van Gogh. Van Gogh, if you prefer. I prefer Van Gogh. And so you should absolutely check out the Van Gogh Museum. Now, you, this has a lot of his famous works, the sunflowers and the, the self-portrait where he's missing the ear and these amazing works. Have, and it talks about the life of this very tragic man. It's incredibly respectful, incredibly kind. It treats him like the cultural artist of the Dutch, like like he is their painter. He's the the you know leading guy, and and they're very proud of him. As that. well, they should be. This museum is amazing. It's beautiful. It's peaceful, and you should absolutely should check it out. It's not too hard to get to. It's not terribly expensive. It's walking. It's in a park outside of the main city. It's a bit of a hike, uh, but it's a worthwhile hike because you get to see Amsterdam while you're walking. And if you don't want to walk it, of course, rent a bicycle and bike it. Yeah. And so on the way back from the museum, we discussed this in length, and we both realized that, uh, I don't want to sound like a curmudgeon here, but while we are both somewhat uh, exposed to a variety of wines and beers and, and liquors, neither of us were terribly exposed to the coffee shop culture. So we decided, or at least I decided, that we would go try one of these coffee shops. Now, I opted not to because at this point I was between jobs. I was going to be starting a new job or seeking a new job on my return to the States, and I didn't want to risk failing a drug test. 
that said, I do kind of regret not partaking. Yeah, it's a very easy thing. It's, I mean, it's intimidating. I mean, I, we're we're kind of lame <laughs> in many regards. So I wa I can't believe I did this. It's so stupid. I walked up and I asked for a menu, and of course they give you a menu. It's a little folded up thing, and having never tried really much of anything in the in the past. I got the least intense option at, that they had on the menu, which was half green, half tobacco. And I had to ask for a thing of matches because I just, it was so embarrassingly uh, amateurish on my part. But, and and so we went into the back of the room. Uh, there's it's this coffee shop where there's Jimi Hendrix playing and there's this other group of American girls that were there and they had all gotten their own and, and so I, I lit the... So we had a couple of beers. I did have a couple of puffs. I'm not going to say I've abstained entirely. Right. And so, you know, we tried it and it was one of those things not having been exposed to it much. I was like, is this going to be something I'm going to enjoy or not? And I kept on like overanalyzing it and thinking, am I having fun or not? And apparently I did not talk for about an hour, kept on thinking... Am I enjoying this or not? And then Jessica kind of taps me on the shoulders like, hey, let's go get dinner. <laughs> I'm surprised you weren't starving because I was. So we went around the corner to get to this Thai restaurant, which was, you know, we, we weren't really in the mood to search high and low for something. Um, and it was a, a, a weekend night. And so there was a lot of crowds. So we just kind of found the place that we felt we could get a table. And we ended up having a Thai dinner, which was good. You know, I kept on judging my experiences. Am I having fun or am I not? Am I paranoid? Am I not? Which I think that you can probably infer that, yeah, I probably was a little bit in my own brain. and Very much in your own brain. <laughs> so apparently, here's what I have determined. Uh, that substance does not make me social at all. Or kind. It makes me irritable, I guess. Um, and so we were heading back and I had to go to the bathroom Badly, they they one of the interesting things in in Amsterdam is in certain parts of the city they have these stands where you can go to the bathroom in if you're a man. I mean, I suppose if you're a woman you can try it, but I don't think women they're not really designed for that. But they're these little just stands, and you can just go in them if you want. And uh, none of those were to be found, and so we had to go get some stuff at the store. And I'm just sitting here bouncing on my feet, saying, "When are we going to get done? When are we going to get done?" And apparently I was not a very kind person in my insisting that we uh, we get back to the hostel as quick as possible. You were not kind in your tone about it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, by this time I had eased up, worn off. We got a bottle of wine and we sort of made up and determined, you know what? That was an interesting experience. Um, we don't need to do that. We again. don't need to do that again. And I much prefer wine is what we discovered. So... If you want to go experience the coffee shops, I hope that you don't have as embarrassingly amateurish of an experience as I do. Uh, have, have a nicer reaction. <laughs> but I suppose our horribly, our horribly embarrassing experience can tell you that they're not. It's it's not as intimidating as as it can be. The the host was perfectly fine. We got zero judgment over it. Well, he the the guy who who, who I bought it from judged me a, a little bit, but it, you know he was just like ugh, tourist. But like. If you can overcome that little bit of embarrassment, it's it's certainly a fun experience. It's a very open experience, very very safe experience, uh, and and so just like you would do with alcohol, don't put yourself in a position where you're going to get yourself into trouble. Don't get to the point where you're unmindful of your surroundings or you're too baked out of your mind. You fall into the canal. 
Yes, think, I was trying to think of a polite way to <laughs> Don't do it, that. Yeah. There are stories of people who ride their bikes into the canal or fall into the canal all the time. Don't be one of those people. And maybe have a semi-sober friend walk you around. Just keep your head on your shoulders, guys. Now, another important part of Dutch history is, of course, the tragic story of Anne Frank. There in Amsterdam is the Anne Frank Museum. This is set in her old apartment where she lived and where she was arrested. And so the next day, after all of these shenanigans, we went to this museum. It was a long line to get in. It wasn't terribly expensive, but it was very much something you must see while you're in Amsterdam. Please get a reservation in advance. It's a very tiny apartment, so they can only let in so many people at a time. If you get a reservation in advance, you have to like book it like a month in advance. We missed that window. We didn't know. So we just showed up and we still had to wait like two hours. So you can do that, uh, but just be prepared. Either be patient or prepare in advance. Now what David actually did is while I held our place in line to get in because we didn't make a reservation, we are telling you to do so so you can avoid this. While I waited in line, David went and got us a couple sandwiches and we ate lunch standing there in line. So small museum, very much well-preserved, very um, very original to how it was when Anne and her family lived in this tiny little apartment. And it is just such a tragic story. Most of the furniture is gone, but the wallpaper and painting is preserved as it had been. So you don't, you kind of get the feeling of what it was like. But the most important thing was, like I said, it's a small apartment. So you're kind of weaving in in a parade route of people going in and out. And you get the feeling there were like eight or nine people living in this thing. You definitely feel the claustrophobia that the Franks felt while they were imprisoned here, for lack of a better word. Well, and they couldn't leave either. It was, and it was such a immersive experience. You feel the the tragic claustrophobia and, and the silent desperation. Now imagine being there for years while you're not getting enough food, while you can look outside. It's right in the middle of the heart of the city, too. You you can look out the window and see that there are people out there living their lives freely, and you're trapped in the... It is a tough... It's, it's an emotional experience, that's for sure. Very harrowing. And so definitely, definitely check this out. Of all the things that you cannot miss in Amsterdam, in my opinion, this is number one. If you go to Amsterdam, you must go to the Anne Frank Museum. Yeah, go there being prepared to have a very gut-wrenching experience. Bring tissues. Bring tissue. And in the in the lower levels, you get to actually see her original diary. They've got it on display down there. And so it, it was it was a fascinating experience. Again, took forever because we didn't make reservations, but it is doable. Just make sure you're patient and make sure you go with an open mind. So after that, we weren't really in the mood to go to more museums. There are other art museums. There's a history museum. We were a little emotionally wrung out. And we only had two days, unfortunately. I, I If I could do it again, I would add a third day because we, we we ran out of time. But it was early early evening and we wanted to go get a drink. We thought, okay, let's go to a bar. Now, I, as I've said in previous episodes, bars are hard to come by in mainland Europe. It's more of a British-Irish thing. Most places have restaurants that serve drinks. Amsterdam was one of the few places that we encountered that has a, what I would call a bar bar, a place to just drink, not to eat and drink. And so we found this one that was fascinating because it had a huge list of 
all these different types of beers. It was right near the train station, so it wasn't far from our hostel. We go inside, and they have more varieties of monk-made, monastery-made Belgian beers than in Belgium. We got to try more Belgian monastic brews here than in Brussels. And the bar, I was like, oh my gosh, you have such a great selection. And I asked the bartender, why do you guys have so many great Belgian beers? And I didn't see any in Brussels. And he says, well, there's regulations galore in Belgium. And there's fewer regulations in, in Amsterdam and in the Netherlands. So the best place to drink Belgian beer is actually in the Netherlands. Because it's right next door to Belgium. We get all the beer anyways. It's about the same distance to Brussels as it is to Amsterdam from some of these places. So <laughs> that's an interesting recommendation. You want a place to find the best Belgian beers Go to the Netherlands, go to Amsterdam, because it is widely available there. So we had a couple of Belgian beers, and we're drinking and enjoying our, our time, having some fantastic uh, beverages. And there's this older Dutch man that was sitting there, younger bartender, was dr pouring drinks for the, for the three of us, uh, myself, Jessica, and this older gentleman. And the older gentleman finishes his beer and waves goodbye, and as he's heading out the door, he says... Enjoy those beers because when Sharia law comes, you won't be able to anymore. And out he goes. And so we exchange a look with the bartender. <laughs> Did he really just say that? So the bartender says, "I apologize for my racist countrymen." <laughs> and 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 we did, it, it's, it was such an interesting thing. This cult, you know, this was a time of Brexit. This was a time of EU regulations and and and, and migration and everything. And and so it just really hit us for a loop that this guy would just out and out say something like that and it was just like oh my gosh what was that but clearly his idea his way of thinking was not the norm because the bartender was so embarrassed by it yeah he was very embarrassed but he was a fine gentleman and we this got bartender was so cool oh he was great he was also really curious about us because he kept on playing jazz on a, on a vinyl record specifically player specifically new orleans jazz and he asked us have you ever been to new orleans and we said yeah we've been to new orleans i i've been to new orleans i love new orleans and he said oh, i love to go to new orleans one day and i like i'm here he's in actually planning a trip at this time yeah and so i said oh my gosh here i am in amsterdam i can tell you all about new orleans i love new orleans maybe we'll do an episode on it one day and then i asked him you're a bartender who loves new orleans do you know what a sazerac is he said no i have no idea what a sazerac is so i explained to him what a sazerac is and, and he, he enjoyed pulls out a notebook and starts writing it down yeah, he write the recipe down maybe he'll make it one day at so. his bar but one drink that we had there that I highly recommend, and you can get this at home too, is Yennefer. Now, what we're going to do here is we're going to fast forward a little bit. Usually we save the cocktail explanations for the end. But I think, Jessica, we should do it now because it was at this bar that we demonstrated the proper way, to the Dutch way, to drink Yennefer. Right. Now, as we were talking to the bartender about New Orleans... Another American couple comes in and they start drinking with us. We start talking a little bit. And then we realize, oh, we need to get this Dutch drink, Yennefer. Now, Yennefer is a precursor to gin. It's made in the same way with the same ingredients from the same components, but it doesn't have the juniper berries that gives gin its distinctive flavor. So it's similar to gin without that distinctive herbal note. And so this drink again, originates with the Dutch. Now, one time in Holland, it was illegal to underserve alcohol to your customers. And so they have what's called a Dutch pour, which is where they take your glass and they fill it, fill it, fill it, fill it. 
and then bubble it up just to where it's just about to spill over the rim. One drop more will send it toppling over the edge. And so you get this bubble of liquid on top of the glass. And that's how Univer is served. So they pour this little shot glass full of Univer and it's bubbled up over there. I mean, it's a, one drop would make it spill. You cannot pick it up. Steve. You cannot pick it up. And so, of course, I have this very long hair and I'm wearing it down that day. Kind of a mistake. It was very hot. So I start gathering up my hair because I don't want to get it into my universe. And this American woman we've been talking to, is she okay? Is she, gonna, is she about to be sick? And David goes, oh, no, no, just watch. So I gather up my hair. I lean forward. And this is how you drink Yennefer because you can't pick this glass up. You put your lips directly on the edge of the glass and you slurp off that bubble off the top. And you get it down just enough where you can pick it up and then you shoot it. And it is, well, you sip it, you don't shoot it. Right, and you can get Yennefer any, in, in a lot of liquor stores in the United States. It's relatively widely available. In fact, we usually have a bottle on our home bar. Right, so you just get a... Uh, what kind of glass? Cordial, typically. A cordial glass and pour it. Make sure you pour a Dutch pour. It's not Yennefer unless you pour a Dutch pour. I mean, it's, you can still drink it if it's not a Dutch pour. It's but it's a, more fun that way. It's not a drink you need to add anything to. It's just a good sipping spirit. Yeah, so just pour a Dutch pour, sip it, and then you can pick it up and then you can drink it just like you would any other drink. Right, no mixers, no ice, no frills, just plain Yennefer. And so after sampling Yennefer and some great Belgian beers, we were starving. And so we ended up going to this restaurant. Now, the bartender made an interesting explanation. He, I asked him, where should we go to eat? Because I don't really know a lot about Dutch food. And he said, you don't want traditional Dutch food. Dutch foods like pancakes and uh, other stuff, which, you know, is, is good. It's delicious and we do enjoy it. He said an interesting statement. He said that in Western Europe, aside from France and Italy... <laughs> with those being the exceptions. He said the best food you get is from the food of the people they colonized, which <laughs> the second thing, racist thing, I guess we heard in, in this bar, but uh, this was a mm, more open-minded one. He said the Dutch colonized Indonesia, and so a lot of Indonesian people came to Amsterdam and set up restaurants. He said it's the same reason that Indonesian food is so good in Amsterdam is the same reason that Indian food is so good in London which makes complete sense. They're both colonized people that came back to the colonizer's uh, home city and set up restaurants. So that's why Indonesian food in Amsterdam is so good. So he told us a location of an Indonesian restaurant and we went there and it was phenomenal. It was like a sample selection buffet that you order and it's all these little dishes. And the restaurant gave you options. It was like 10 little dishes or 15 little dishes or 20 little dishes. And three or four bites per person. But that's all you want because it's so great, but you get to sample so many different things. Right. Oh, my favorite item on the menu that we had was this peanut sauced, spicy peanut chicken. Oh, so good. So good. And speaking of so good, so we, we finished this restaurant. We stumble back to our hostel. And very full. <laughs> very full and enjoy uh, watching the city sky and the, the city light up uh, from our boat and finished out a wonderful couple of days, short but very packed, uh, packed with joy trip. I think I have an inclination of what your favorite drink was. Of 
course it's the Yennefer. It's part of their history. It's part of their culture. It's a precursor to Jin. And you know how much I like Jin. Jin doesn't like me. I like Jin. <laughs> I, I, my experience, my best drink came at that bar. I could probably live at that bar and be happy oh, about yeah. it. Uh, but it was the Belgian beers I had at that bar that I thought were better. The Yennefer's good, but oh, God, that Belgian beer. I mean, it's not Dutch, but the Dutch are pretty proud about being able to get all that Belgian beer. And then I think we both can agree that that Indonesian restaurant was the best food. I mean, oh du gosh. Dutch food is great, guys, but that Indonesian, when you're in Amsterdam, get the Indonesian food. It is to die for. The chicken, the rice, and the flatbread, and oh my god! So many varieties of foods that we don't have a lot of Indonesian options where we come from, and so it was a unique experience for that regard as well. Which leads to our last item, our favorite thing. What was your favorite thing about Amsterdam? I'm genuinely torn on this because on one hand, Amsterdam is such an amazing city to walk and to roam. It's a wandering Amsterdam. was just so wonderful. But that hostel and hanging out on the boat and just sitting on the deck, sipping some wine, watching the canal lap the, the edge of the, the dock. And the white-faced coots. Do you remember these birds? <laughs> the birds that were swimming around. They called them coots. It was, oh, look, a coot. <laughs> they were all black except for their face. And just the top of their face was stark white. They were the most funny-looking bird. But they just, they were everywhere. And just sitting there on the deck, glass of wine, watching the canal, watching the coots. It was amazing. You know, that's kind of indicative of the city itself, the coots. It's it's a very fun, happy, joyful city. Uh, it's just a fun place to be in. And I think that my favorite thing is just to, I hate to say it, but I because I, I kind of said this about Belgium too, but walking around Amsterdam is the best thing of Amsterdam. is just to walk around and see things, to smell things to taste things, to, to just feel the vibe, the energy of it. So Amsterdam is a wonderful place to walk around, to be, to look at the coots, and, and to watch the lights light up over the canal. What a wonderful city. Absolutely, one you cannot miss. So this has been Passports and Birth Control. Don't forget your passport. Don't forget your birth control. Like Passports and Birth Control? Give us a review and follow us on Instagram. Tell us in the comments where you'd like us to go next and support us on Patreon. Your support will send us more places and help us create more episodes.